uh, bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for those that are here and those that will be listening. Lord, we ask that you lead this service and put a watch over my mouth, Lord God, as I sin, lest I sin against you. Prepare our hearts to receive this message that you gave me to bring to the people. Holy Spirit, I ask that you make me sensitive to what you are saying and give me a willingness, Lord, to repeat whatever it is that you say to me. <clears throat> and in Jesus' name I pray, amen. As Christians, we are often asked, if God is real, why do bad things happen to good people? Here's a story that you can tell people that will help explain this. A pastor walks into a barber shop and sits down to get his hair cut, and the barber and the pastor start talking. And when the barber realizes the man in the seat is a pastor, he says, you know, man, there's really no such thing as God, so why would you want to be a pastor? And the pastor says, what makes you think there's no God? And the barber says, well, if there's a God, why do so many bad things happen to good people? And the pastor doesn't really know how to answer him in a way that would get him to understand. And his hair was almost done anyway, so he ends up leaving and he pays the guy a good tip and he steps outside and when he steps outside he sees this really hairy grungy homeless looking dude sitting on a bench across the street and he goes over to the grungy looking guy and he says hey would you come with me for a minute and the guy agrees and the pastor steps back into the barber shop with this guy and he says hey barber there's no such thing as barbers and the barber says what are you talking about and the pastor says well if there was such a thing as barbers then this guy wouldn't be hairy and grungy like this. And the barber says, the problem isn't that I don't exist, it's that he never came to me. This is a good story. I just heard this this week. I've, I think I'd heard it before, but it really resonated with me this week because I hear this all the time. I hear people say this all the time. But Jesus explicitly explains that we are not good. He tells us this in Luke 18. When a prominent ruler calls him good teacher, instead of answering the man's question, Jesus asks, why do you call me good? None are good except God. We are not good. Go to 1 John 1, 8 through 10. If Jesus said he wasn't good, he who was sinless, then surely we are not. Our good works done in our own power are simply self-righteousness and vanity. Hypocritical religious ideology that produces nothing but filthy rags. And that's according, in God's eyes, and that's according to Isaiah 64. And it is only Holy Spirit working in us that makes us righteous. We are not good. The Holy Spirit of God in us is good. We are sinners. Now, in 1 John 1.8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, this is John speaking to the church, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. We are not 
righteous in our own power. We are righteous only in Holy Spirit and God. In right standing. Righteousness does not mean self-righteous. It means we standing in God. We are in right standing. We are beside God, working with Him, letting Him lead our lives. Turn to Luke 7.39. This is the story about the woman who um, was weeping at Jesus' feet. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him, this is Jesus, the Pharisees had invited Jesus, saw this woman, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is and who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, saying to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. He says, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. <coughs> when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon said to him, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much but he who is forgiven little loves little i don't ever want to get to a place in my life where i am so good and i'm using that in air quotes that i don't need jesus forgiveness i i know i know what i did and i know that i've received forgiveness and i know that i'm not perfect and i know that i will most likely sin again not on purpose but I'm human, so things happen. I'm not perfect. The only one that was perfect was Jesus. I caught hold of this, and because I caught hold of this, and I realized how much that forgiveness changed me and healed me. Because when you bring your things to God, and you lay them at Jesus' feet, He takes the things that you did, and the for in the forgiveness is a healing that happens that we can't get to in our own power. People have tried. They go to psychiatrists, they go to strengths, they go, you know, they're always trying to find this place where they're healed. You can't be healed without seeking forgiveness. Now, just because something looks good doesn't mean it's of God. Do not be deceived into thinking that you are good. Satan wants you to believe that you don't have to be all in for God. He knows that he can, if he can get you to compromise just a little bit, you will fall into sin. And then you have a chance of falling away from God. This is why people who do not go all in, they try to ride the fence. And then they don't go all in, they fall away. They will stop going to church. They'll get church hurt. 
uh, by somebody in the, in the church and then they'll blame God for the reason why they got hurt by a human being. And they'll stop going to church and they fall away, not just in sin, but they fall away from God and then they become lost again. They become prodigals. Now, Satan uses many tactics to get us to ride that fence. But I want you to remember, Satan comes to steal. He comes to steal your peace. He comes to steal your finances, your time, the gifts that God has given you. Satan comes to kill by bringing diseases into our body, getting us to, to uh, agree with him in sickness and disease. He comes to destroy relationships with the people that we love and to destroy relationships with God. He will come to steal, to kill, and destroy. His favorite thing to do is to destroy a family. He didn't go after Adam until Eve and Adam became a family. The first sin didn't happen with Adam because Adam had been by himself. He wasn't, Satan wasn't interested in him. He wanted to destroy this family. He wanted to destroy the family of God. He loves destroying families. He loves destroying marriages. Why do you think the divorce rate is so high? We've strayed so far from God that the divorce rate has shot up so bad. It's now less likely for you to uh, stay married than it ever was. Satan will try to get you to focus on things that are not in your control. He loves for you to be focused on these things. He loves to get you focused on things that you don't have. He wants you to feel like you have lack in your life. He wants you to get stuck in the past by the hurts or get stuck in the future by what you don't have yet. And if you give these things to God and focus on the things you can control, which is yourself, you can only control yourself. You can't control anything else. But if you focus on giving it to God and saying, I can only control myself and that's what I'm going to focus on. And you focus on things that you do have, which is to have gratitude that you are in God and with God and gratitude for everything you have. Gratitude for the food, that you know, a full belly, a house over the roof of your head, a house to live in, um, education, a job. Focus on what you do have. Have gratitude. This helps you to stay in the present and away from the past and away from, from, from the future. Fear and anxiety are one of Satan's favorite tactics. Fear is not from God. Anxiety is not from God. So when you feel fear and anxiety, you have to give it to God and say, I will not fear. You have to fight. You have to tell Satan, you're not going to put me in fear. You're not going to make me anxious about this. I'm not going to comply with your lies. Satan can't hear your thoughts, but he can hear your words. So he plants certain thoughts in your head to get you to speak doubt Fear, hate, sickness. He wants you to say these things out loud because when you say them out loud, you go into covenant. He uses your words to bring cases into the courts of heaven against you with your own words that he planted this, the thought in your head. It's how he brings sickness and disease to our bodies and he uses your words against us. Because when we say these negative things, we come into agreement with Satan for our harm. That's why it's so important that we have to be careful with what we say. We never want to go into agreement with something that is not of God. He will attack you at every turn if you don't read the word and know who you are in God. 
if he can keep you in battle mode, then you will never reach your potential and you might even fall away from God. He's playing for your life. He's already lost the ability to be redeemed. He's already lost forgiveness from God. He will never be able to regain these things because he committed the eternal sin and blasphemed the Holy Spirit of God. So his whole goal is to tear us down. He hates you. Nothing scares Satan more than a blood-bought child of God who knows the power of God they carry and the power of speaking the word of God over their life, their circumstances. Read your Bible. Know the word of God. This is the weapon of our warfare. If you know the word of God, and if, and if you're not even sure, if you're going through something, Google it. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about what I'm going through? And then write the scriptures down and then start speaking them over your situation. When you do this, the whole atmosphere shifts because that brings the angels of God into your circumstances to do the will of God in your life. Satan knows that there's no in between. You can't ride the fence and he knows it. But he wants you to believe that you can. You're either all in with Satan or you are all in with God. You can't serve two masters. The Word of God tells us this. But he wants you to believe that you can straddle that fence of Christianity. Because if he can convince you to be lukewarm with one foot in with God and one foot out, and that, and that you think that you'll still be taken into the kingdom, that's just lies. Don't let him fool you into that. That's not biblical. It's not anywhere in the Word that says that it actually says the opposite of that. It says, you cannot be lukewarm, God will spit you out of his mouth. He's the ultimate master of disguise. The Bible says he masquerades as an angel of light. He looks normal. He can come looking like a family member. He can come looking like a friend, your spouse, a Christian. Satan can use anyone that is not living a laid down life to God and has not given their mouth and their hearts to God. We have to remember these tactics and we have to lay down our minds. The commandments that Jesus gave us were this, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. If you do that one commandment, just one, if you do that in your life, everything else you will do also. You will love your neighbor because you'll love yourself. Because you love God. Because you will know who you are in God. That's all you have to do. He said, he said the first commandment is the, is the main one. And the second commandment is similar to this. That you love your neighbor as yourself. But I'm telling you, if you do the first, you don't have to worry about doing the second because you will do it automatically. It falls into place. We are called to love him with all of our heart, mind, and soul. Our spirit within us joins with Holy Spirit, and we will seek to do everything that God wants us to do, and we will be very quick to know when we are sinning and when we've made a mistake and repent. And then we will ask God for forgiveness, and most likely we will ask the person for forgiveness if we've hurt somebody else. He wants us to bring everything to him. I am so grateful for the things that have happened in my life. Even the things that were hard. 
And God didn't cause the bad things. God didn't cause me to lose my loved ones. God did not cause me to uh, struggle. He didn't cause me to get sexually abused. He didn't cause me to get physically or mentally abused. But he took those things and when I gave them to him and I laid it all down and I said, look, I'm really hurt, Lord. All this stuff has happened to me and I'm really hurt. And I know that you didn't do it. But I also know that you can use it. We can take those pains, those hurts, and we can give them to him. And he will use those to allow us to help others who are going through the hurting and the pain that we have suffered. Because when you bind together with somebody who's hurting and you say, you know what? I know exactly what you're talking about because I've been there. I've seen that. I've felt that. But God didn't do it to you. And I'm going to help you. And I'm going to help you walk through this. And I'm going to help you find the scriptures that you need to get to God. To straighten your life out and let him heal you. Let, let him lay it all down to him and he'll heal you. Then you get to help somebody else. And they get to help somebody else for the same thing. See, God doesn't heal the world by a snap of his fingers. He heals the world by using his people who have gone through and suffered some stuff to go out and help people find him so that he can heal them. He takes our suffering and he heals us and he brings us back to the family because hurting people will hurt more people. If you go into your pain and you do not have God, you will end up in bitterness. If you go into your pain and you think about the pain that has been caused to you, and you have not laid it down to God, you will go into bitterness and you will hurt other people and you will continue to hurt and you will hurt other people and those people will hurt other people. And it will be a continuous cycle. If we can get everybody that we know to understand this, that God loves them and he wants to forgive them and he wants to help them, he wants to heal them and get people out of bitterness we can change the world. That's how you change the world. That's how change comes. Leading people to Christ. This last week, I got the most amazing opportunity. I went to the grocery store. And this happened to be twice this week. But um, this one story uh, really touched me. So, this is, this is what God will do when you... Say, Lord, make me bold. So this is what I've been praying lately. Lord, make me bold. Let me help others. Show me where I can pray for others. Show me where I can make a difference. I just want to make a difference. So, and I'm not telling you this story because I, I feel good about it. I, I, I feel good about it because God used me the way I've asked him to. Because when you ask him to, to be bold, he'll, he'll let you. He'll show, he'll put you in situations. So I go to Food Line, and I'm just, you know, looking you know, in the store. And you know it was a God moment because this guy works for Food Line. And he was, he came out, he wasn't there when I was there. So there's another lady here, me here, and I'm over here looking at this shelf. He comes over to the produce and starts stocking produce. And he says, how are you ladies doing today? And I didn't, I heard him, but I didn't know he was talking to me because I was facing away from him. And... He said it again because nobody said anything. He said, how are you ladies doing today? And I turned and I he was looking at me and I realized he was talking to me. 
And I said, oh, I'm doing great. How are you? And the, uh, the, uh, the older lady that was standing there, she was, she was like, oh, I'm doing good. And I, and I said, well, how are you? And he said, I'm not doing so good. And I, and I knew, as soon as he said, I'm not doing so good, I was like, thank you, Lord. Because I knew that's what it was. I knew that was the whole reason for me being there. And he said, my wife, right after Christmas, had a heart attack and had to go into emergency triple bypass surgery. He says, we've been married for 49 years. She died twice on the table, but they were able to bring her back. And he said, I'm just so grateful, but I'm just struggling that I almost lost her. And I said, hey, can I, can I pray with you? Can I come over there and pray with you? And he was like, yeah. And I said, are you a believer? And he said, I am. And I said, I asked him what his name was. His name was Jake. His wife's name was Susan. And so I prayed with him. I prayed healing that she would continue to be healed everywhere that the doctors had touched, God would touch. I prayed thank you and gratitude that she made it through, that, she, that God was going to use her. And before I left him, I said, look, God's going to use this in your lives if you'll let him. And he was very grateful. Like he, I could tell he was very grateful. And the woman that was standing there, she didn't really know what to do. But she got to witness this. And there was three other people that were in there watching me pray for this man. And I don't know how it's going to affect them. I don't know who the people are. I'm going to tell you another story. One more story before, before I close. Now, this is, an, I, I, this is a secondhand story. So this fella named Lee Strobel, I don't know if you know who he is. Lee Strobel was a atheist uh, newspaper man, and he's now a pastor. So he decided, he's a new Christian, he decided to go, felt like the Lord told him, to go into the newspaper office and tell his atheist friend, invite his atheist friend to church. New Christian. And he goes into the newspaper office and he invites his friend, the atheist. And the atheist is like, I'm an atheist. You know I don't believe in God. Why would you even invite me? Like he was he was like, Lee, what's wrong with you? And Lee didn't know this. And so he leaves the office and he, you know, shares the gospel with his friends, still won't come and like he's completely, I'm not coming. Stop talking to me. So Lee leaves and ends up writing the book. He ends up becoming a pastor. Now he's a pastor of a church. And he never did. It always frustrated me. He was like, I don't know. I never understood why God sent me there. Then one day he's leaving and shaking hands with people as they're leaving. And this man comes up to him and he shakes his hand. He says, you don't know me. He says, but you changed my life. He says, the day that you came into the newspaper office and invited, and he said the guy's name, and invited him to church, and you spoke the gospel to him. You told him, you know, Jesus came to save us. You spoke the gospel to him. I was on the floor, working on the floor. He says, you probably didn't even see me. He says, I was working on the floor. I was an electrician, and, and he, he says, I was laying on the floor on the other side. And he says, and what you said brought me to tears. He says, after you left, I called my wife and I said, all right, we got to go to church this Easter because it was Easter Sunday. He says, we got to go to church this Easter. He says, I got saved. My wife got saved. My kids got saved. An entire family got saved because Lee Strobel listened to what God said and went and talked to an atheist man who would never give his life to God because you never know who's listening. So make sure that when you hear what the Lord is saying, that you're seeking the Lord. What, first, seek the Lord what the Lord is saying to you 
and when he says something to you, go do it. Go do it. Even if it's stupid. I, I, I have done some really dumb things because I felt like the Lord wanted me to do it. Because I don't know who I impacted in that. I, and sometimes you'll never know who you impacted in that. I just follow the Lord's leading. And I'm urging you to do that too. So we're going to close with this last song. Heavenly Father, as we leave here today, Lord, bless all our days with your grace, guidance, and provision. Lord, keep us safe and watch over us. Lord, we pray your sustaining presence will go with us and walk with us throughout our week and bring us safely back to your house again. And thank you, Lord, for your many blessings and for all the tithes and offerings that are received. Lord, bless the ministries that we are sowing into and for the people that are being blessed by our faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray.